know they say second time's the best no i've never heard that saying they're gonna start saying it now because second time's the best on this recording hi how are you doing listeners (laughs) welcome to episode 16 you have to just chug that beer and get a new one because point two yeah we don't have any cracks we don't have the so you got yeah to get better on that this is going to happen again, so you have to be ready on the sound effects. I'm not great at sound effects, but maybe we could find one. How's it going? I asked you as you were drinking, like a waiter, like a very successful waiter would. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of very successful waiter, I worked a wedding once just to get some money. I like served and stuff. Some like a friend of mine knew the people who were the mother of father of the bride. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I was working it with my friend, and uh, it was a rehearsal dinner, and they were just having a casual like beer and pizza and ice cream night. And I was like, I had never served or whatever before, so I was like kind of nervous. And it's a wedding; you don't want to mess up or whatever. Even though it was a casual setting. But I like went around and I guess I didn't really think about the fact that I should ask people if they were done. But like everyone kind of looked done. So I went up to the groom and I like took his ice cream and he's like, I'm, I'm eating that. And I was like, I took the groom's ice cream away. You were just like, you don't need to anymore though. No, no, I did not say that. I was so apologetic. I was like, oh man. That's not why you're not a waiter anymore. I mean, this was a one night, two night gig. Yeah, because they fired you. No. There's a lot of reasons why I don't do wait waiting tables. Mostly because I think I would spill everything everywhere. I'm not really coordinated. Eventually would get better, I would assume. Maybe. I'd get really strong forearms from holding a tray. Yeah, forearms. And shoulders. And hands. And biceps. You could do the... Just maybe one arm, though. You do a really gross thing where you, like, grab, like, four cups and you stick your finger in each one and hold them together like that. Like, clearing? No. Ew! <laughs> Who does that? No one. I saw a guy when we were at the bar today bringing a drink to his... With... Or going back to a table with his wife, I assume. And he had a finger in one of the cups and you had the other one, like, on the other side. That's weird. I assume maybe... It was probably his beer that he was carrying with his finger in it, but... Still... But yeah, besides that fun story. What did you even say before that? It's kind of a busy weekend. Starting today, I started my new job. How was it? Change of pace? It was totally different. It was a, a different world. A different mindset. Actually, because you have to use your brain. <laughs> hey, let's not hate on my old job. I, I still love it. But... um. I have a desk that's my own, so I can, like, put something there and know that it's my stuff. Like a bottle of wine in the bottom shelf or bottom drawer? No, there is no bottom drawer. They all are horizontal next to each other, Mm. and they're very small. But Is it an Ikea desk? It looks like it. But, Dad, there's no Ikea here, so. The closest one, I think, is, like, Jersey or New York City. But anyway, um... That's, yeah, that's exciting because I always had to clean off my desk at my old job because I shared it. 
And I'm going to get business cards, which is weird. We'll see how this goes. Tomorrow we have the fun and exciting job of laundry. Yeah. Laundry and... Shopping. Shopping. Like, let's go to the mall. Our mall sucks. So I'm not sure how that one's going to work out, but I guess we'll figure it out. And what are we doing on Sunday? Drinking at 10 in the morning. (laughs) Well, that's true. Technically true. That is true, but it has more context than that. Alex decided to sign us up for the equivalent of like a Tough Mudder put on by Ithaca Beer Company. So at 9.30, well, we have to be there at 8.45, right? That's yeah. That's what the email said. We have to be there at 8.45, and then we'll run a 5K with beer-related obstacles. So yeah, we'll be doing that. That should be interesting. I think we're ready. Probably you more than me. I don't think that's true. We run, you ran a lot more than me. Prior to this. That's fine. It's there's not gonna there's gonna be stopping and starting and stuff. And climbing and crawling and Yeah. Now do like we wear contacts or not? That's my question. Like, and you plan on I don't want stuff in my eyes. But I don't need good vision either. I mean I would like to see what I'm doing, so I'm yeah, wearing but, my contacts. Okay. I don't plan on trying to swim with my eyes open through mud. You're going to close your eyes? I'm not swimming. Well, I know. Uh, That's what I'm saying. But if it splatters in your eyeball. No, it won't. Okay. I I can buy those basketball goggles. There you go. You'll look really cool. Everyone won't judge you at all. Anything, I mean, besides the 5K coming up, anything you want to chat about? No. I don't think so. All right. Thought I had something, but... If I did, it's not there anymore. I thought you said questions. You had questions for me. Oh, that's further my story. Oh, it's in your story. Mm. Never mind. What are you drinking? Um, a Saison. No, not Saison. A Session from Allagash. Is it good? Yeah. That was a long pause up until a not exactly great yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess it wasn't exactly what I'm looking for in this particular episode. I mean, I, I did buy a beer that you're not drinking. Mm-hmm. What are you drinking? You know better than I do. What am I drinking again? Asti Spumante from Martini and Rossi. I put the, the, the airplane. Oh, the airplane is not the same. No. Sorry. Now it's the moon. Um, You're mooning me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got the... Uh, celebratory sparkling wine. Celebratory sparkling wine for my new job, which for the record, I really appreciate. But you could have done better. But I really hate sweet wine. <laughs> Alex was like, pour down the sink. I'm like, no, it's not something I would pick up again. I don't like sweet wine, but... It's different, and I've tried it. Don't like Prosecco? No, I don't like sweet wine. Don't like Osti? I don't like sweet wine. Those are both sweet. Then you'll be learning styles now of what you don't like. I've known I don't like Prosecco for years. 
And now you're going to add another one to that list of one. Late harvest Rieslings? Gross. Ice wines? Gross. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But it is celebratory. My celebratory harvest tumbler of sparkling wine. Because that's how I live. They're going to say because you're not fancy. Well, I'm not. We could have been really fancy and bought like uh, test tubes. Test tubes? They're about the height of uh, champagne flute. Oh, where are you going to get test tubes? Mm. That's weird. I'd rather buy champagne flutes than test tubes. Because at least one of those I'd probably use again. You don't want to do any science? No. Story time. Story time. Yeah. Um, sure. Let's go. Mm. How do you about the month of September? Do you remember the sun and sun and sun in September? You know that song by Earth, Wind, and Fire? Yeah. Isn't it just called September? Yeah. But I don't remember. I don't really quite remember how it goes. What about Billy Joe Armstrong? Huh? Wake me up. Oh. Wow, that was beautiful. How do I feel about the month of September? You were born in it. That's when my parents' wedding anniversary is. That's, uh, that's what I got. Right. So fine. Uh, on September 25th, 1966, Robert Emmer Emmett Chambers Jr. was born in some hospital in Manhattan. I never saw. Some hospital. There are a lot. Probably at least 50. Wow. Probably less than that. Uh, yeah. Uh, Robert was raised by his mother, Phyllis, who was a nurse that had emigrated from Ireland. Immigrated? Emigrated? I never remember. Emigrated. She emigrated out of Ireland and immigrated into the U.S. Um, and his dad, Robert Chambers Sr., was a video ca cassette distributor. I don't really get that profession, but sure. It was short-lived, apparently, because, you know, video cassettes aren't really... That wasn't that short-lived. Um, the couple had split up sometime when Robert was young, but mainly he was raised by his mother. So we'll just forget about Robert Jr., Sen Chambers Sr., for the most part. We're talking about Bob Chambers Jr. Yeah, and just for the rest of my story, I'm just going to refer to him as... Bob. Either Robert or Chambers. Not Bob. No, because Bob Evans. <laughs> back at bob evans bob, back at bob evans uh robert was quite literally an older boy a what an altar boy oh older boy i thought you said older boy and i was like i mean yeah he's older than someone and he would move on from a series of prep schools including the browning school and new york preparatory school if those mean anything to you well, you think you think i'm up on the I don't boys know. prep schools of new york state yeah no, I only know one, the gunnery. A lot of kids in my area went to the gunnery. Sure. I mean, you wouldn't know, but I don't even know if it's New York. I think so. I don't know. What you mean? That's what I meant, though, is like, I don't know anything about prep schools, but you knew one by name. So. <laughs> well, it was like, that's where the popular boys went. Um, but he moved on from a series of prep schools, mostly on scholarships, since his mom could not pay for the private tuition alone. We don't know what she did. She was a nurse. Oh, right. Sorry. I got hung up on the video cassettes. Yeah. 
Um, you might say I got wound up in them, you know? I got nothing else. You don't need to add anything else. There's nothing else to add there. It stands alone. The cheese stands alone. He did not do as well as some of his other classmates, which was due to a combination of poor grades and antisocial behaviors, which included theft and drug abuse problems. Um, he also had problems fitting in because he was like a middle class and everyone else was like upper class wealthy and he just like that dynamic never really jived with him. Mm-hmm. He would eventually be accepted to Boston University where he completed a semester before he was asked to leave due to bad grades and problems including a stolen credit card and supplying cocaine to other students. Yeah, could be worse. And then from there, he had problems holding down jobs and ended up frequenting a bar known as Dorian's Red Hand on the Upper East Side. Hmm. Red Hand. Black Hand. Um, after one particularly rowdy night at Dorian's, he, he was would... caught red-handed. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> he was issued a summons for disorderly conduct. Conduct. See. Um, ripping up, he ripped up the summons as the police police left and said, "You fucking cowards! You should stick to n words." Um. Whoa. And also, we saw you never responded to my text that there were. I got a text. Segue. I got a text from you on my way home. I didn't read it. Siri helped me. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm dead serious. You were like. There are three troopers that have pulled over two cars. And I was like, wow. So then I'm driving, and I saw that, and then there were five troopers. So I was like, Siri. And I had Siri send you a message. I was like, five troopers. But they weren't pulled over. They weren't facing the same way. The other one came up from the hill versus coming down the hill. They were fa- they were facing each other. They were pincering. And there were five troopers. It's crazy. Anyway, that's unreasonable. That guy's comment. Mm-hmm. So he's white. Yeah. When yeah. is this? Um, this was probably around the time he was like eighteen, so eighty-four ish. Wow! Great, cool, love it. Is this gonna be a hate crime? No, not in this. You're smirking not in, like not in that this, is not in the sense that you're thinking of. Like it's it's gonna be a race thing. Is it a sexuality thing? I won't. Okay. Um, he spent some time in Minnesota in a rehab facility. Just some time. Yeah. I didn't see an exact amount, but he eventually would return to Manhattan to live with his mother in what, according to Google Street View, looked <laughs> like a brownstone or Ooh. a townhouse next to the Smithsonian Design Museum, also known as Carnegie Mansion. Oh. What? Just uh, off Central Park. How did they afford that? Mm. Weird. Yeah. He uh, reportedly sp- regularly spent up to $300 a week on Coke and did around three times a week. Yuck. His brain's probably like Swiss cheese. I don't also. Is that is that a lot of Coke or is that like an average amount of Coke? Three times a week seems like a lot to me. <laughs> but, but like, <laughs> I don't know. Like $300 worth of Coke. Is that like... I- you're really is this one of the questions you thought i could answer no, but, because oh, i don't know the answer just like trying to talk it out like i have no idea is one bump of coke a hundred dollars a bump yeah they measure 
coke and bumps? No, it's like you want to, you want to like take a bump or what? you want to do a bump. What? Yeah, it's like when you put on your fingernail or your finger and you bump. Bump. <laughs> no. Yeah. What? The bump. And you also got lines. Bumps is like when you put it on your finger or, or your fingernail and you snort it like that. This? And lines is lines. What do you do with the dollar bill? Or on the table. Or yeah, with like a straw. I meant like you snort it with a straw or dollar bill. I've never done coke before in my Were life. Were you a kid that went bump in the night? I'd never done coke in my life. Ah, that's like three good jokes I've had. I'm really proud of it. I'm on a roll. He reportedly got this money from uh, thieving. I have theft from friends. I wasn't really sure. Theft from friends? Theft or thieving from friends and neighbors. Oh. And was able to steal somewhere around $70,000 worth <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> okay. So that's pretty that's good. A lot. He's not eating into his Coke money anytime fast. Mm. $300 a week. Uh, on August 25th, 1986, Chambers and a friend, Jennifer Levin, met up at Dorian Rent's Hand for some drinks. Uh, Dorian's was popular among like the preppy rich kids at the time. Um, it was also like a well-known spot. If you wanted to go like underage drink, they would be fine with that there. I just watched a show where there was a bar like that. I don't remember. So it'd be like 18 to 24, 25 uh, year olds. I don't know. I don't know when the drinking age went up. It was 18 for our parents, I think. But I guess it's sometime around there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go in and like the parents knew that that's where kids would be drinking and stuff. So you don't have to really worry about it. Well, this is so familiar. I swear I just watched something with this plot point. SVU? No. Other procedurals? Just, no. No, no, no. It was like a... It was a story. Maybe it was a book. I don't know. Continue. A book. Do-do-do. was at the bar with Jennifer. It was like a group of teens. And this other one shows up. And then she's like mesmerizing. If there's a listener out there... Who knows what I'm talking about? Either a book or a TV or movie show. Movie show. Movie show. <laughs> a book or a TV or movie that where there's like a bar with underage people and there's like this group that always hangs out there. And then a girl shows up and she's like super mesmerizing, but she's like... I know what it is. It's Sadie. Is it? Yeah. I thought it was, but then I was like, no, that's not right. Okay. If you're like listening to podcasts and, uh, and audio like books, books, Sadie's great. It was good on audiobook. I don't know how it is in text form. I don't think switching, I'd like it as much. Switching between podcast and narrating. You should listen to Sadie. It's very good. I don't remember who the author was. I don't either. Just look up Sadie. There's a girl in like a red coat on the cover. I thought it was, but then I was like, no, I'm I'm wrong. I should really believe in myself more. Sorry, continue. Um, The couple had gone out a few times, like a few dates before, but there was never anything serious. So they were just there like catching up, getting a couple drinks and what whatnot. Um, so we already know that Robert is, you know, rambunctious. That. Or that. Yeah. Um, Jennifer was described by a childhood friend as a troublemaker uh, who actually made very little trouble. I don't know why she called her a troublemaker if she they didn't actually make a lot of trouble. Okay. She was mischievous but kind and more of a tomboy than like coquette. So like she was attractive but she wasn't like outwardly 
Why? Wait, in what scenario did you opt for the vocabulary word coquette? It was a direct quote. Oh, I was like, what even? That what other word that you were surprised I put in my notes one time? Was that a direct quote too? No, I don't think so. Oh, I don't remember. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember what word. Continue. Um, they were at the bar until about four thirty. Uh, they left after a small conflict occurred between Roberts, Robert, and his girlfriend, who had shown up and seen that he was there with Jennifer. She apparently threw a bag of condoms in his face, saying, "You won't be dating these with me anymore." Why was she carrying a bag of condoms with her? I think there might have been a little like pretext or prelude to this meeting like she started hearing like he's going out with like jennifer oh so she was like i gotta be armed with a bag of condoms i gotta find all the condoms he brought to my house weird okay good on them for being safe but yeah yeah well i mean 80s were big with the aids and stuff right (laughs) they were big on aids the 80s were when aids was a hit yep (laughs) um so they got into this or Robert and his girlfriend got into a fight, so Robert and Jennifer left around 4.30. At the time, Robert was 20 and Jennifer was 18. The pair walked into Central Park. Um, that was apparently a thing to do back then. This bar, they would like meet up at the bar and like, you want to go bang in the Central Park? You want to bump? Yeah, you want to bump in the night? Bump and grind? Yeah. Um, you want a bang? You want a bang. A bang. Hey, bang. Um, at this time, Robert is about 6'3 and 220. And Jennifer is 5'7 and 120. Whoa, she's thin. Yep. Whoa. And he's got like 100 pounds on her. Whoa. And then some kind of altercation occurred and that went, um, that wound up condoms. Uh, with Jennifer dead. Oh, yep. Um, her body would be discovered about two hours later around 6.20 by a cyclist who was riding behind the Museum of Modern Art. 6.20 a.m.? Mm-hmm. So, like, she had been dead for about two, less than two yeah. hours. And here we, we, here we go. Oh, God. That's, that's promising. Her shirt and bra were pulled up around her neck. Her skirt was pulled up to her waist and her underwear was about 50 yards away. Her body was badly bruised and there were bite marks on on her body. Chambers reportedly watched from uh, like nearby bushes as police cordoned off the areas and then he left and went home. Uh, yeah. So a couple hours later, like the morning, the day of, or a little in the afternoon, police stopped by his house because he's like known to be friendly with Jennifer and police find him with cuts and scratches on his face and arm. Take and your man. He told police that they were Cuts from his cat. Um, no. Okay. There are pictures out there and like, it looks like a hand. Yeah. I mean, cat scratches and hand scratches look totally different. Police then find out that his cat had been declawed. Oh, man. That poor cat. Good on New York State for trying to ban that, by the way. It's wrong. Didn't it pass? Yeah, but it had to get approved by somebody else. I don't know if it went through that other step. Not the governor? No, it was like waiting for another I don't know. I don't know how I don't know how government works. I thought it passed both parts of the house. I don't And then I, got, don't know. I thought it went to the governor or whatever. Anyway. 
Um, I, I was hoping you'd be like, and then they found out he didn't have a cat, but. No, they had a cat, but it was missing its claws. Uh, so he changes the story, obviously, at this point. Because it's like, well, cat story's not working. So he says that they were together at a bar at Dorian's. Mm-hmm. But then Jennifer left to go get cigarettes and he hadn't seen her after that. Um, this was also despite the fact that Jennifer was not known to smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, so they take him in because his stories just aren't lining up with right. what they got. Mm-hmm. And he admits to going to the park with Jennifer. Mm-hmm. There he said they pl- they played a bondage game. Yep. Where uh, she tied him up where she tied his wrists with her panties. Okay. Because you can tie... Uh, what was it six three six three to six five it's like news stories changed his height weird but uh, that tall of a guy in like 220 with that size I mean, underwear it, it, it's plausible because if it's consensual then he's probably not really trying mm-hmm. right yeah um he then says at some point during this bondage game she hurt him quote unquote and he's like, you need to stop. Like, I don't want I don't want any part of this anymore. Um, according to him, she didn't. And then he got free and hit her once and killed her. Oh, so he admitted. He admitted that he did kill her. Wow. Okay. Um, so the police were like, wow. I mean, you just like admitted to murder. And also you said you just got like raped by a 120 pound girl mm-hmm. um so the da that was sitting in on this like interrogation slash interview he was quoted as saying i've been on this job for a while and you're the first man i've ever seen raped in central park yeah but, but... <sighs> just because nobody's come for it doesn't mean that that's i mean this case whatever separate that mm. men get raped mm-hmm I hate people who cry wolf because poor other men who say that, that actually have. Told you, we're, we're going right into it. Ultimately, Robert would be, would, would be charged with second degree murder. Um, his friends and family made bail for him. Because that's what you do when you are got connections that are influential. So while out on bail, there's a videotape of him out at a party. With uh, women dr- dressed in lingerie, like, all around him. And he's, like, hanging on to them and whatnot. And they're just having a good old time. At one point, he has a Barbie doll and twists the doll's head and says, Oops, I think I killed her. That's not a video deep? Mm-hmm. Cool. Did you watch it? No, I didn't. I didn't look that hard for it. That's probably for the best. There's also another part where he's like, has the same Barbie doll. And he's like, help me, help me. My name is... And then, like, it. according to the quote I saw, they just, like, he... I guess it's garbled and you can't hear what he says the name is. And then he's like, oops, I think I killed her. Where did he get the Barbie doll? I don't know. Why is there a Barbie doll at this party? I don't know. This is a weird party. Mm-hmm. Is it at a public place? No, it's like a... A house party? A house party. With toys? Okay. Yeah. I mean, just because you have... Maybe you have kids and you're going to like, I'm going to have a house party. Oh, okay. Maybe kids you don't are... have those kinds of parties with kids around. Well, I don't, I'm not saying the kid was there or anything. Oh. We could have like sent the kid off to grandma's or something. I don't. Right, know. I have right, no. Right, right, right. I'm just trying to reason, yeah, yeah, reason yeah. out why there's yeah, Barbie yeah. doll there. Yeah. We gotta logic our way through some things. Though. Yeah. 
Um, at this point, like this is all going on in the background. His defense team starts mounting um, defense, obviously. <laughs> and their um, decision is to start dragging Jennifer through the mud. Saying things like she had it coming when she engaged in consensual rough sex with a known troublemaker like Chambers. Um, papers um, during this uh, trial started publishing articles like how Jennifer courted death, sex play got rough, and they depicted her as a promiscuous like woman who quote, uh, kept a quote sex diary. And her friends like said she was not promiscuous at all. She did have like a little black book, but it was like an actual address book. With, like, friends' contacts and stuff. Yeah, everybody did. I did. Mm-hmm. While uh, Chambers was described as Kennedy-esque uh, preppy altar boy with a promising future. Oh, yep. They all have those. Mm-hmm. This is just going to ruin his future. It's like that stupid Brad kid or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Brett? Brad? Brett Kavanaugh? No. Also him. Well, yeah, that other kid, maybe his name's not Brad. The kid who Mm -hmm. was at like an Ivy school or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Prosecutors said that Robert was high and drunk and angry because of the girlfriend's breakup and also that he couldn't perform sexually during this whole encounter in the Central Park. I mean, I've, I've never done coke or had a penis, but I can assume that like being high and drunk might not help and then being angry with women yeah i mean i um ultimately he pled guilty to manslaughter and one count to burglary from an earlier uh, run-in with the law on march 22nd um well he started serving time march 22nd 1988 at auburn state prison in auburn new york oh my god home of the utica crib no wait that's utica the Auburn system or whatever it was called. Or like it was silence. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, so Let's he's... Smush them together. He served between March 22nd, 1988 to February 14th, 2003. So I think it's about 15 years. Math checks out there. Mm-hmm. Um, he lost his good behavior, possibility, due to several infractions, including assaulting an officer and some drug and weapons charges are incidences mm-hmm. in the uh, prison and almost five years of his time in prison was in solitary cool so it's wait but he got out in 2003 he got out in 2003 just because it ran out yeah that was his conviction it was like 15 years for manslaughter cool and the burglary case earlier but uh, wait there's more but wait there's more upon release he was interviewed by dateline and insisted that it was all an accident he kept going with the story that he didn't mean to kill her i did kill her but i wasn't like trying to kill her um dorian's red hand and the jennifer's family settled a wrongful death lawsuit um in which they stated that any lump sums that chambers receives including book and movie deals plus 10 percent of future incomes will go to levin's family which is pretty good 10 percent of any future income up to like two million or something like that but any lump sums if like when he wants to make a book or a movie out of his story they get all that money that he would get um so after getting out he moved to georgia with his girlfriend sean coville where'd where did he get a girlfriend um she was one of the women that was in lingerie in that video oh wow Mm -hmm. she kept in touch yep 
and the entire time like it's they posted bail for him so they're like he's innocent he didn't do any of this or whatever mm-hmm. um they lived in georgia for about nine months and while there he worked at a dye factory fun fact and then he moved back to Manhattan where he started working at a sports trophy eng- engraving plant. Ugh, exciting. Yeah, somebody's got to do those jobs. Yeah. Um, a few days before Thanksgiving 2004, Chambers was stopped with driving um, driving his car with a suspended license and police found an unknown substance in his car. Unknown substance. Mm-hmm. And November 29th, 2004, he was charged with possession of coke and heroin and a suspended license. Oh. So they determined what the undetermined substance was. Mm-hmm. Uh, July 2005, he pled guilty and was sentenced to 90 days. October 22, 2007, he was arrested again for selling a controlled substance. But he has a promising future. Yeah. Um, Just keep that in mind. He got first degree selling a controlled substance and second degree selling a controlled substance. I don't know what the difference is there. And a count of resisting arrest. Hmm. His uh, girlfriend, Sean, was also arrested at that time. They were charged with running a cocaine operation out of their apartment. Uh, Lawyers attempted to mount like a psychiatric defense, saying that Chambers had become an addict around the age of 14. And by 2007, he was using 10 to 12 bags of heroin a day. It depends on the bag size, you know? That's that's a vague vague measurement. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he was going to plead guilty um, by means of insanity, but he had sold up to $2,800 worth of heroin to undercover cops. I guess that somehow voided his insanity attempt. Hmm. Um, and for this, all this stuff, he faced life. August 11, 2008, he pled guilty to the charges. And September 2nd, 2008, he was sentenced to 19 years. He is currently in Sullivan County Correctional Facility. Um, and his min release date is January two, 25th, 2024, with his max is about two years later. How old is he going to be then? Like uh, 24, he was born in 66. 34 plus 24. 60-ish. Hmm. Uh, the Killers, the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has Diggle. a song called Jenny Was a Friend of Mine. I love that song. Which is based on this. No way. I love that song. Uh, which includes some of the uh, lyrics such as, uh, we took a walk that night, but it wasn't the same. We had a fight on the promenade out in the rain. She said she loved me, but she had somewhere to go. She couldn't scream while I had her, held her close. I swore I'll never let her go. And there was something else. Uh, Jenny was a friend of mine. Oh, come on. Go, come on. Oh, come on. There ain't no motive for this crime. I, you know, I just sing it. Fun fact, it's also part of a legend murder trilogy that happened on this album. That three songs detailed the murder of a girl named Jenny. And this was like the finale in that trilogy. What? I don't know. I didn't look at it. Was the, the first one like somebody told me? Maybe. And it's like, that's what made him angry. Like somebody told me. Perhaps. You had a boyfriend that looked like, you know. Um, and also American Psycho, the novel, mentions that um, the main character was his name Bateman something. 
Patrick Bateman, Bateman or something. I don't know. He was going to start a defense fund for our Robert Chambers. Oh. So it's all very. So does that mean that the family gets money from the album and from the book? Well, the book came out while he was going through trial slash already in prison, I think. I think the album came out in like 2003. Or 2003. That I don't know about. Because it doesn't ever directly re- reference. No. Um, that, so I don't know. Probably not. That is the story of Robert Chambers, also known as the Preppy Killer. <laughs> the Preppy Killer? Yeah. That's grasping for straws. Are you ready for a story you've heard before? <laughs> you don't know how short my attention span is. Oh my god. I can almost guarantee. Casey Anthony. No. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> I mean, three podcasts that you listen to covered this story, so... Well, if it's lore, it's not very like a. It's not like a named episode on her or person. All right, ready. <laughs> June tenth, nineteen twelve, in Villisca, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Yep, you know already. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's all I can tell you. It's that I can tell you the name. I don't remember any of the details. Oh, well, I know some of the details. Okay, well, let's pretend that you've never heard this. June 10th, 1912. That's around the time. We should have done it like two weeks ago. We could have been like a 117 anniversary. 107 well, anniversary. sorry. I Math. didn't think about... A hundred and seventh anniversary of anything. Um, in Villisca, Iowa, there was a family, the Moore family, which consisted of Josiah Moore. That sounds like Paramore. Josiah. I mean, they're all gonna sound like Paramore to me because it ends well, in so Moore. Like a Pariah Moore. No, it's par- Pariah is not a. That's a term. It's not a name. You're probably gonna name something Pariah. Okay. Sarah Moore. <laughs> that sounds like Paramore way more than Sierra. <laughs> it's the Sarah Moore and their children, Herman, Montgomery, Mary, Catherine. I don't know why they list the middle names for like the, whatever. Well, some of them are like hyphenated. No. Mary, Catherine, Arthur Boyd, and Paul Vernon Moore. Ages 11, 10, 7, and 5. Arthur Boyd Moore. Sounds like a lot like Paramore. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know why I said Josiah Moore sounds like Paramore when the next name was Sarah Moore. <laughs> anyway, they were attending the Children's Day program at their local Presbyterian church that they attended. And Sarah, the mother, had been helping coordinate and organize this event. And afterward, Mary Catherine, who was... 10 years old, invited her two friends over for a slumber party. Girls night. Yeah. Um, their names were Ina, May, and Lena Gertrude Stillinger. See, they always put the middle names. I don't know. Is it Ina or Ina? Ina. I don't know. It's like a, a Ina Dina. Gardner. Gartner? Ina Gardner. 
Is it Ina? Maybe it's Ina. Anyway, Ina and Gertrude. Lena, sorry. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I just can't. Um, so they go, they agree to come over for a slumber party. I'm just calling it a slumber party. And they just said, do you want to sleep over? But anyway, so they went home to the their house around 9.30 p.m. after the event. The next morning, around 7 a.m. Also, like, before you get to it. How does Wait, where were the questions that I had? Oh, I was going to the murder trilogy and all that. Oh, you wanted me to talk about the killers. Yeah. Got fine. it. Um, how did slumber parties work back in the day? So, like, I have, like, this, like, Victorian image where everyone's like, has their own bed, and they're just like, all right, good night. But, like, nowadays, like, girls sleep on the floor and, like, whatever space they can find. Back then, I feel like they I would... I think they probably did the exact same thing. I feel like they'd be more formal, though, just because it's... No. Earlier. Girls haven't changed their formality. I mean, they have, but, like... Like, Victorian times, if they did sleepovers, they were definitely getting... Have their own... All have their own bed. No. You still sleep on the floor. You, st- you think Victorian women are going to sleep on the floor? Sure. Little girls? Little girls fall asleep wherever. You don't think a Victorian baby fell asleep just in a random spot? You don't think a Victorian three-year-old was playing and then fell asleep on the ground? Oh, that's a rarity. Victorian three-year-old. <laughs> We're not like the Black Plague era. Um. Anyway, 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Santa's the coming. The usual morning. Oh. That's the beginning of the song from Tangled. I thought you were going to go with that route. Oh. Uh, 7 a.m. Their neighbor, Mary Peckham, which sounds like such a 1912 name, you know? She was like, what's going on? They're not out doing their morning chores like you do. Was that a Sunday? I don't freaking know. You didn't go back and Google? Probably not because it was an event at their church. So I'm guessing... No, I'm saying the 7 a.m. day. Is that a Sunday? I didn't Google it. Sorry, I could have. I didn't do that much research. Sorry. I let everybody down. Um, But she got nervous because they hadn't come out to do their chores. So she went over to their house and the door to the house was locked. So what do you think she did next? Broke a window, went in. No. She went and let the chickens out and checked in on them. You know, prioritize. The girls. The ladies, the hens. Um, then she was like, I should probably do something about this. So she... After she took a couple eggs. Yeah, maybe. She egged the house. Um, (laughs) and then she got Josiah's brother, Ross, who came over and was like, oh, I also can't get in the house. (laughs) What a boring 1912 name. Ross. Ross Moore. (laughs) It sounds like Paramore. I mean, like, you got, like, Josiah and... Sarah? Herman? Mary, Arthur, and Paul? Arthur or something. Arthur Boyle. Arthur Boyle. Boyd. Boyd. Um, but he said he had a, a spare key for the house. So he got a spare key and let himself in. <laughs> we gotta stop making jokes because it's about to get serious. Oh, oh, one last thing. It's like everyone probably had a spare key back then. Well, I'm surprised it's locked. Well, that and also like... Any lock is like a like probably like a deviation or a derivation, that's the word. Of like this stereotypical key 
And it's like, all right, my key fits in this one. All right, mm-hmm. I'm going in this house. Right. So he lets himself into the house. And he gets to the guest room first. Oh, this answers your question. The guest room is where the Stillinger sisters were sleeping. So you're right. They all had their own beds. The little girls don't sleep on the floor. Mm-hmm. Okay, have a good night. It's all right. 6 a.m. We're going to, or 6 p.m. We're going to bed. 6 a.m. They could have. Hey, you don't know. No. You don't know they were murdered. I didn't say they were murdered. But I did. <laughs> he goes into the guest room and finds the two still still Jesus Christ. Still in there. Stillinger. Still in there. Stillinger girls. And they had been Were they still in their jeans? Oh my god. <laughs> yep. No. They weren't wearing jeans probably. The Stillinger girls had been bludgeoned to death. And also in the guest bedroom, there was an axe, which belonged to Josiah and was later determined to be the murder weapon. Still there. So when every, the, he, he left the house at this point, he saw the two girls and was like, no more. And he left and he told Mary Peckham to call Hank Horton, the local peace officer. Mm-hmm. Piece of what? piece of pie piece of cake which i looked up is like the term for like anybody that helps out in the community to a deputy to keep the peace so firefighters and police officers and whatever um which i'm pretty sure that cars at the at syracuse's campus said peace officer i think ithaca also says peace, peace officers well ithaca's all about because they're not actual police yes they are if they arrest somebody on Cornell campus. Oh, Cornell campus. Did I say Ithaca? Uh, you said the police cars in Ithaca. Oh. Well, <laughs> That's why I was like, uh, yeah, we definitely have our own police department. Anyway, Corn- our Cornell. Oh, I don't know. Um, so people show up and they, you know, take note of what happened and they find that the rest of everybody else in the house is also, unfortunately, dead. And they estimate that once they looked at all of the victims, that the murders took place between midnight and 5 a.m. based on their, how they had, you know, progressed. Um, they also did a walkthrough of the house, and they found two cigarettes in the attic, which made them think that there, you know, the person in the house was waiting until the right moment when the family was asleep. And they could kind of just walk around and do their thing. Mm -hmm. And then they started to try to kind of piece together the crime and create a timeline. Were there 19 crimes? No, I think there were seven. Seven murders. There was trespassing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And there was trespassing. Right. Smoking indoors. Mm-hmm. Look at that head. Oh gosh, that's half the glass. Um, so the first they they pieced it together and they realized that Josiah and Sarah, the parents, were likely the first victims, which makes sense, you know. Go for the adults. People that can actually do something. Right. Josiah got the worst of the violence out of anybody. He had been cut so badly with this axe that his eyes were missing. And his face was just totally disfigured. 
Um, and there were like swing marks on the ceiling. Like, mm-hmm. like when we went axe throwing. So not. Um, and he also was the only one who got the sharp end of the axe. Interesting. Personal. Yeah. Then the after that, Sarah was bludgeoned to death with the handle. And then the rest of the more children. The handle. Of the axe. That seems like, why not use, like, the back end of the axe? Oh. Seems weird because you'd be holding the head of the axe. You know what? Beating her with a stick. (laughs) You know what? You're probably right. I assumed. That was a double-sided axe? No. I assumed that if you didn't get the sharp end. You got the stick. You got the (laughs) stick end. Not that there was a blunt end. It could have been double-sided axe. You don't know. No, no, you know what? You're probably right. <laughs> I was like, man, this guy's risky. But also, like, swinging an axe towards your face with the pointy side toward your face is also risky. Well, so, you're, like... holding, you're holding, though. Oh, you're you actually using the blunt end. Yeah. Okay, well, okay, so he probably smashed their head in with the metal but blunt end. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> <laughs> He's like whacking him with a stick. You'd think it would probably break at some point. Anyway. Do you think just before like the first <sighs> blow landed, he said, I have to be blunt. What? Oh my God. Is this a weed joke? No. What? Blunt and blow? No. I just like I said after the, before, like just before the first hit landed on Sarah, he's like, I, I just have to be blunt. Oh, I thought you were making a joke about Force one weed. Blaze. He said blunt, and that's where my brain went. Um, right, so he went around. Smashing people. Bludgeoned the rest of the children, and then came back and inflicted more violence on the parents, including knocking over a shoe. Well, this was not violence, but. Not the family shoe. <laughs> God. He knocked. This is not funny. A family shoe. It's not funny. Yeah, they're actually cobblers. Um, no, he knocked over... Anything of a keebler. <laughs> he knocked over... We're struggling <laughs> through the story so bad. Everyone's going to be like, can we freaking get on with it? They knocked over a shoe that had... This is to show how bad this was. It was filled with blood. Like, it had just been dripping, and the shoe was filled with blood, and they, like, knocked it over, and it was just blood everywhere. Um, and then when investigators went through and looked at everybody, they believed that all of the individuals were asleep when they were killed, except Lena Stillinger, because she was lying instead of like sleepy position. She was, she was sideways on her bed. Like perpendicular. Yeah. And she had a defensive wound on her arm. Also... Her nightgown was pushed up, and she wasn't wearing any underwear under that. So they thought potentially there had been some sort of sexual assault, but they don't think that it... They didn't find any proof that that happened. But also, like, what is sexual assault, really? Because pulling down a little girl's underwear is definitely sexual assault. Well, if they never found proof of her having underwear, then she could have just not been wearing underwear that night. Okay, but... Why was her nightgown like that? That's the way she died. Anyway. Um, 
And something that they noted was like, I said it was like severe violence, but pretty much all of the family members, you wouldn't even really know who they were. It was that bad. Um, something interesting though, was that Herman, Catherine, uh, Arthur and Paul's faces. So all the children, all their faces were covered up. And this, this is when the, the, the light clicked on for me that I had heard this story. The mirrors? No, the two pound slab of bacon. Mm. Remember? This is the mirror guy though, isn't it? I didn't read anything about mirrors. Okay, well, that's a different guy then. But there was a two-pound slab of uncooked bacon that was left next to the axe with a keychain that didn't belong to the family. But I remember, and that's why we drank the episode, and they're like, what's with the bacon? And nobody knows what's with the bacon. Did they have maybe four pounds of bacon in the house? I don't know. You gotta feed, like, ten-year-old girls. You gotta... Each of them eat like two pounds of bacon. Yeah, easily. Also, at the scene of the crime, a bowl was left with bloody water in it, which means that the perpetrator likely cleaned up afterwards. Unfortunately, at this point, after they've like come to the scene, everything sort of went downhill in terms of evidence. Somewhere around 100 people entered this crime scene many of them before the bodies were even removed Mm -hmm. and they like put fingerprints everywhere and like mucked through the details Mm -hmm. and someone stole part of josiah's skull they didn't have fingerprint to me i mean (laughs) i don't know i mean it's better than that machete murder case in florida they just like Let's just spray all this blood away. I know, I know. Florida man. (laughs) Florida man, man. So, that kind of sucked. Like, don't take his skull. That's rude, also. Bad juju. Yeah. So then, they have eight dead people on their hands, and so they start to try to investigate this. And the first person, well, maybe not the first, but... Um, they start looking into Reverend Lynn George Kelly, who often just went by George Kelly. And so George Kelly, Reverend George Kelly, excuse me, was a guy who, as an adult, was accused of, like, being a peeping Tom and being creepy and, you know, being into nude photography and asking women to pose nude for him and all sorts of weird stuff. So they were like, oh, this guy's weird. Um, and two days before the murder happened, he arrived for in Villisca for the very first time, attended a Sunday school performance at the Presbyterian Church where um, one of the Stillinger girls was like the star of the show and was really interested in that. And then at 5.19 a.m., the day that the, the bodies were discovered, he went and got on a train leaving Villisca and told people that there were eight dead souls in Villisca that had been butchered in their beds. Mind you, the neighbor didn't come until seven. Could be a medium. Yeah, that's a possibility. 
So that's fishy. And then weeks after this whole situation happened, he was, like, super obsessed with these murders and wrote lots of letters to the police and was, like, writing to the family and things like that. And at one point, he even showed back up in Villisca and pretended that he was part of the police Mm -hmm. because he wanted to walk around the crime scene. Um, so... Uh, the police start getting, like, really interested in him as a potential suspect. And they're like, what is with this guy? So they start writing to him, asking for more details. And he starts giving them tons of details about the murders. Um, But police are kind of taking this with a grain of salt because he had a history of mental illness. So they weren't sure if he was just, like making things up that could potentially fit with mm-hmm. the crime. Like, they have no idea that this is actually what happened or whatever. So they're like, well, is this guy for real? Is he, like, crazy? Who knows? No, it's You said he was walking around the crime scene, though, so he could have... Yeah. Some of the things he said, they could have been like, oh, my God, he, like, he got it right, but... Yeah, I don't know. You don't know what he knew and didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, just a reminder, this happened in 1912. 1914, he was arrested for sending obscene materials through the mail to a lady who had applied to be his secretary for whatever job he was doing. Priesting. (laughs) I guess. The judge for his case said that the letter was so obscene, lewd, lavicious, and filthy as to be offensive to this honorable court and improper to be spread upon the record thereof. So a dick pic? (laughs) <laughs> the drawing of a dick no they had cameras yeah but it's like one of those like flash things you need like a person to operate behind the camera well he's like on one side and he's got his head around the curtain on the other side and in some ways a drawing of a penis is more offensive than a picture of a penis mm. i don't know about that anyway um, and then, so he was sent to a, the National Mental Hospital, which, and it, I know we have, like, the National of lots of things, but I didn't know we had the National Mental Hospital in was D.C.? It actually in D.C.? Yeah. Um, then, later, in 1917, he was arrested for the murders of all the Moors and the Stillinger girls, and on August 31st of that year... What were they doing for three years? They were just like, he's in the hospital, we can't yeah. do anything with it? I don't know in their ducks in a row or something um and on august 31st he confessed saying that god told him quote suffer the children to come on to me unto me sorry not come on to me (laughs) suffer the children come on to me god 1917 come on to me god hit on him right then and there um so he, 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 he confessed, and there were details that matched up. He was left-handed, and they figured, based on the patterns and everything, they figured the murderer was left-handed. Uh, around the same time, he had sent some bloody clothing to get cleaned. And then he goes on trial, and he totally recants everything. This is the motion for recanting, which looks like a backwards jellyfish. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, no, it wasn't me. Don't mean like, huh? Wasn't me. Yeah. For one, people were like, well, this dude was tiny. He was 5'2 and 119 pounds. So, 
wee little man. And the ju- the juries were like kind of back and forth about it. And he got he had two different trials and they could never really decide. So he got acquitted. I guess that law wasn't in place yet. You can can be tried twice for the same oh, crime. Oh, double jeopardy. Yeah, I guess not. I'm gonna say what are they? What are they also doing? This murder? All right, that's one. That's one trial. Oh <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So he wasn't acquitted for that. Um, he was acquitted for that. He was acquitted. Sorry. Yeah. Throughout the whole process, they were also looking into other people. They were looking at Frank Jones who was a local businessman and uh, state senator that lived in Villisca. And he was part of the Methodist church. This is like the sharks and the jets of religion. So we got the Presbyterian church on one side. On the other side, we got the Methodist church. And they didn't get along so many times. So they were like split. And they were like, well, guess what? This guy, Frank Jones, is a Methodist. He is you know, not guilty. And the other side's like, well, Reverend George Kelly is a Presbyterian. So, you know, he's not guilty. Mm-hmm. They're like shark and jet and they're snapping their fingers and whatever. Um, and Frank Jones was known to hate Josiah Moore because Moore worked for him for a long time, like eight years or something like that. And he worked in... Frank Moore, Frank Jones's business, which was a farm equipment sales. Maybe blasphemous. No. What? <laughs> I don't know. I assume a man of a different church would be a... No, they still believe both in God. Offensed by... No. Offensed, huh? Not offended? Offensed? Offensed. Oh, Back in 1917. Got it. 18, they would say that. Uh-huh. Um, no, but... So... Josiah Moore worked for Frank Jones in his farm equipment sales business and was, like, an amazing salesperson. But then... Poached his clients. Frank Jones wanted Josiah Moore to work from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m., six days a week. And Josiah Moore was like, no. So he left and he started his own little business. And poached some of the clients. The John Deere account. Mm-hmm. He took the John Deere account with him. And that's why the cookie crumbled. So John Deere did it. So John Deere did it. So it was known that Frank Jones hated him. And um, it was also rumored that at one point Josiah even slept with Frank Jones's daughter-in-law. So that's no cool. I mean daughter-in-law. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. What's the tea you, Frank Jones? It's not blood. Yeah. Um, it was known that they were so angry at each other that they avoided using the same streets at the same time. Hatfields. Which is... What? Hatfields and McClays. Capulets and Montagues. Yeah, but what's the first one? The... It's like some... Like Killbillies. Huh. In like West Virginia or something. Uh, yeah, they avoided using the same streets, which is a big deal in a small town. It's only one. It's Maine. (laughs) People said that probably if Frank Jones was the guy who did it, that he probably didn't do the act himself, that he was rich enough to pay someone to do it. Um, and they thought that the problem, 
that the man that he probably paid to do it was a man named William Mansfield, who was, uh, who had committed a couple axe murders. Cool. Everyone had axes back then, though, so. That's, like, one of my bullets. Um, yeah, he committed a couple axe murders. No. He didn't commit a couple axe murders. No. Wait, 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 wait. Are you slandering this man? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so they, the, the, one of the detectives thought that the man that, um, Jones had hired to kill the Moore family was a man named William Mansfield, who was a suspect for the axe murders of his wife, child, and in-laws. He was also believed to have committed axe murders in Kansas and double homicide, but was never charged with those officially because he had an alibi. And so he didn't get, mm-hmm. you know, um, arraigned for that. So he had an alibi also for the Moors. So they're like, okay, maybe not him. Then they're like, well, whoa, let's look at this year. There's so many axe murders going on right now. So in a bunch of different places in the U.S. in the 1911 to 1913-14 range, there were axe murders happening everywhere. There were axe murders in Colorado, Kansas, New Orleans, the axe murders of New Orleans. Axemen. Yeah. Um, Axemen. Axemen of New Orleans. There were axe murders happening all over the place. And a lot of them had similar details. Um, so some of the similar, similar details are like, well, in a couple of them, an oil lamp was running low, you know, that murderer just hated it. (laughs) Um, so that's, that's, that's a similarity. Um, there was a railway station right at the town of seven of the like 10 big cases across the U.S., so they were thinking, oh, maybe this person just traveled by railway. Four of the cases that were under investigation had the victims' faces covered up. Um, and five of the kill- killers lingered in the house. There were, like, cigarettes or signs that they had been there. So people were like, well, maybe this is a serial. Where in the progression, do you know, was the other cases where victims' faces were covered was this Vlaska axe murders? I don't know. I'm sorry. Because if other cases where the victims had been published that their faces were covered, only part, only half of the victims were covered, right? But you got to so, think about this. Because the two neighbor girls weren't covered. Ain't no neighborhood. I mean, ain't no neighborhood. Ain't no internet. Newspaper. Yeah, but you're not going to get the Colorado Springs newspaper in New Orleans. So, yeah, but if you're a serial killer, why would you just deviate from your yeah, MO? Um, in December 1912, one of these series of axe murders was the death of Mary Wilson and her daughter, Georgia Moore, not related. Um, and they were murdered in Columbia, Missouri. And there was a theory that the son slash grandson, so the son of Georgia and the grandson of Mary, was responsible for them. 
and it turned out that he was. He did kill them. So he was convicted for those crimes, but the reason he did it was to get the deed to the house, and so they figured that was an isolated case, and then he was, like, put away. So they figured he wasn't the person who did all the other one. Mm -hmm. At one point, they were like, maybe it's Josiah's brother-in-law, because one time he was mad at him and threatened to kill him, but he had an alibi as well, and like you said, pretty much every single family owned an axe, so it's possible that... You know, even though there was an abundance of axe murders at this time, they aren't necessarily connected. It would be like today if you were like, there's an abundance of like kitchen knife murders. Well, no, like guns, like people dying from sh- being shot. Freaking, there's a shooting in every five seconds in the U.S. Um, So, you know, it's hard to tell. Today. The details surrounding these crimes is still unknown. Unknown, unknown, There's, there was a documentary that was made called Velisca Living with a Mystery. And historian Dr. Edgar Epperly, who is the, uh, the expert on these murders, said that he thinks it could have been one of the first serial killers in America and that they were connected, but, you know... Mm-hmm. He doesn't he know who did, done, dude it. Um, and it's featured in a ton of different places on the media, including Netflix just came out with a movie about it, like, this year or maybe, like, mid-2018, late 2017, so, like, within the last year or so about it. So I was like, maybe we should watch it after we do this. But he was, like, also... Oh, the Netflix movie isn't that great in terms of accuracy or whatever. I don't know. But it was featured in a lot of different areas. It was featured on Ghost Adventures, Scariest Places on Earth, Most Terrifying Places in America, um, which, you know, we could... I'm, I'm thinking about maybe doing... Going to Iowa? The go- no, the ghost aspect for one of our supernatural tales. I think that would be a cool tie-in to the different shows that we have. But it was also featured in... Lore, and that's why we drink, and my favorite murder, all podcasts you listen to. So I was like, wow, you you know this story. And BuzzFeed Unsolved. I I wouldn't know, but yes. I put etc. after that. Many places in the media. And it's still one of like the craziest unsolved things because there's like 10 different incidents that are just unsolved. Mm-hmm. And that's my first unsolved story. I hate unsolved stories. They're so stupid. Well, you know, after we were talking to my uncle, and I was like, Alex loves unsolved stories, and I go crazy with them. I was like, you know what? Taste of your own medicine. And then you spoiled. And then I picked one that you already knew on accident. And then, spoiler alert, you found out your great-great-great-grandmother was killed and never the victim yeah. or the killer was never found. Oh, we didn't even mention that. Yeah, I learned that my grandmother's great your grandmother's great-grandmother or something like that? Yeah, my grandmother's great-grandmother was murdered. I had no idea I had a murder in the family. What? Probably somewhat common in the U.S. Yeah. She was in a barn. That seems like a pretty par-for-the-course situation. Pennsylvania. It's wild. That's it. Did I give you a good refresher? Mm-hmm. Was it everything you dreamed of and more? Yep. <laughs> more. 
<laughs> Paramore. Everyone just started hating me right there when I laughed like that. If they didn't already. Real quick before we go into uh, Stranger Things, mm-hmm. folks that are. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, uh, just consider giving us a review on iTunes or wherever else takes reviews. Um, or if you're not following us on social media, um, Instagram and Twitter at Sad Tales Podcast. And we also have a Facebook page, which should be facebook.com at our then slash Sad Tales Podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. And then on to you. On to me. Because you saw or you heard something after... Some kid was just whipping it out next <laughs> to us at the, the re- palace at the restaurant. Uh, it had nothing to do with that. He still whipped it out. He in still public. was peeing in a bush in public. Way too old. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not. I mean, it's not that exciting, but it's it it's something. Something. I'm really selling it. Um, you and I were at Ithaca Beer with my parents. Mm-hmm. And we were having dinner. We were actually about to leave. And then you like started talking to me. I was like, I'm busy. (laughs) And then I think you really got what I was doing because I was like madly typing while just like staring off into space. And like, I feel like my ears perk, but they're not. We got into a really deep conversation, me and your dad, about vinegar. Did you? I wasn't listening. Yeah, 5% vinegar. Oh, that whole stupid malt vinegar conversation. Anyways, that could have been... That on its own was stupid enough. Um, but anyway, there's a guy, there's a table next to us. The people who owned the Wiz Palace kid owned whatever. Like, it was basically feral. I mean, it was peeing. And then my dad was like, that's interesting. And, like, didn't warn me that I was going to turn around and see a child just, like, whipping it out, peeing in the bushes. And I was like, oh, my God. But anyway, they were the parents of this kid. And I, I don't know, or maybe not, because he seemed like he was, like, trying to be overly funny. Like, um, in a, you know, a way like you might do on a date or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they were talking about living in Ithaca and, like, the weather and everything. And he said, every winter... I really want to stab myself in the eyeball, but it's my choice to stab myself in the eyeball. Singular eyeball. Yeah. Just because what? Because it's cold, I guess. I was going to say he doesn't like what he sees or just because he hates it so much he just wants to stab himself. Right. I think it's the the latter of the two, but yeah, it's his choice. Knowing full well that he won't die from... You want to stab yourself in the eyeball? It's your choice. That's I'm pro I mean, eyeball choice. It is your choice to stab yourself in the eye. Yeah, that's what they mean by pro choice, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm just like, first of all, that's so dramatic. It's not that bad. It sucks, but it's not that bad. No worse than Shelby, Montana. I'm gonna say other places on like the East Coast. Well, it is worse than other places on the East Coast, for sure. Oh. Uh, Florida's on the East Coast, honey. When I refer to the East Coast, it's like <laughs> the Northeast, which also in my mind, oh, New, Lord. New York is encompassed in the Northeast. Okay. Well, any which way you define the Northeast, 
it's not that bad. And, like, people like to brag about who's experienced the worst winter. Me. Yeah. I mean, you and I had a really terrible winter. Let's not get that confused with anybody. I mean, we had a bad winter. Let's brag about it. Negative 40. Negative 40. But that's like bragging rights right there. But like Ithaca where it gets to like negative 8. I mean, come on. Lots of places get there. But I mean, negative 40 in a place with no walls is pretty braggy. Mm -hmm. We're above the rest. There were walls, but. Barely. Our underwear was frozen to the walls. Anyway, it's my choice to stab myself in the eyeball. It's just like, and she's like, ha, ha, ha. I was like, no. Did she then look away and take a drink? <laughs> I hope so. I wanted to. That's my, that's my STFU. That's a good one. Thank you. I had my ears perked. All right. Episode 16. It's been real. Yep. Uh, Again, social media. Sorry, we didn't have any fanfare for this coming of age episode. Yeah, that's okay. I had a horrible Sweet 16. So, it's pretty par for the course. We should have made up for it, though. We should have planned ahead. (sighs) I really hated my Sweet 16. Regardless. um, Social media, you heard the spiel. Tell a friend. Tell a foe. Tell anyone you know.